welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. Amen, 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 amen. Well, I hated to start it off that way, but how many of y'all thankful for the deposits he's made in each and every one of our lives? Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Well, if you bow your heads, let's close our eyes. Lord, I just pray for this time this morning as we get in your word. I pray that your word is a lamp unto our feet, that it's a light unto our path. I pray, God, today that this word encourages, Lord, that it leads us, that it feeds us, that it guides us. God, I pray for those that are in a place of brokenness right now. I pray, Lord, today there would be an encouragement that comes from the written word of God. God, I pray for those also, Lord, that we're at the Tri-State Fair that experienced a corn dog, cheese on a stick, all kinds of fried foods. Lord, we pray right now what was meant for evil, God, will turn around for good. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you came to church this morning. Hey, 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 hey. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Ha, <laughs> ha. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask it, who truly is happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Well, I believe God has a word for you. If you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, I've been in this series called Marked. Uh, It's a 42-week sermon. Um, I'm kidding. I'll try not to be 42 weeks, but how many of y'all know if the Lord's speaking we, we might as well keep going in that direction. The Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter 1, that we were marked or branded or sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so how many of y'all are thankful for people in your life that have marked you, that have branded you, that have, you know, put something on the inside of you? I, I, was, I talked about it in the first service, and it's very fitting to bring it back up again, but I was thinking about Red Horton. How many of y'all remember Red Horton in this house? He's like legendary to this church. It's this, this is Cindy's daddy. And to know Red was to love Red. And, and being around Red, he was 95 when he died. He's a World War II vet. And he was from Pampa, Texas. And, and, and the reason that I share that being marked and sealed, when I talk about Red, I light up. I spent so many times with Red in the pickup. Uh, there towards the end of his life, I, I, I still shot a bunch of horses in Pampa, Texas, and he'd want to go over there with me. He'd get in the truck. He'd go to light that cigarette up. I said, don't smoke in my truck. He'd say, Travis, it's only two things that I live for, Fridays to go shooing with you and smoking cigarettes, and I want to enjoy both at the same time. But I remember one of the first times with Red, I was just a young boy, and I was back here. This is before the remodel and the, the kitchen's the same place that it was. But uh, I remember we were having coffee, and I said, uh, he, he goes, Travis, you drinking coffee? I said, yeah. He said, how do you drink it? I said, black. He said, that's good. That'll put lead in your pencil. I said, praise the Lord. He said, <laughs> I said, well, that's good. He said, good for you, bad for me. I said, why is that? He said, I'm 90 years old, Travis. I have no one to write to. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are, all right? But, 
but anyways, the, the reason I say that, he marked me so much. When If you bring up Red Horton, I'm like, ooh, pick me. I have so many stories, so many I can tell behind the pulpit, not behind the pulpit, all right? But he marked me so much. How many of y'all know there's some people in your life that just put deposits on the inside of you? And if, if, if Red Horton can get me at a place of excitement, how much more should I get excited about the Savior of the world? Come on, if you're marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, we ought to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We ought to not just be people that sit inside the pew and just come on Sunday mornings and get, you know, get fed. We ought to be the people that, that hey, I've been marked so much. And we've been looking at this text in Ezekiel chapter 9, and he said, I want you to go throughout the sanctuary and throughout the land, and I want you to put a mark on my people that grieve over the repulsive acts of this nation. The ones who are called by my name, the ones that do, my, that do what I've called them to do and be who I've called them to be and go where I've called them to go. And, and we see in uh, this Ezekiel chapter 9, and what had happened was is the people of God, the people of Israel, just to recap just real quick, but, but the Lord reminded them through the prophet Jeremiah, he said, if, if, if you're not going to do what I've called you to do, there's a law that I've asked you to live by, there's principles and teachings, just like in the book of Job, when Satan asked for Job, there was a protection, a hedge that had to be taken off of Job in order for the enemy to come in. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 91.1, it says, He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So he's telling us this, those who do the principles and teachings of the Word of God, he said the hand of God is upon them. But if you begin to reject those things, and he gives a warning to them in Jeremiah. He says, As you've rejected me and not done what I've called you to do, he said, the hand of God's going to come on, off of you, and there's a king from the north, and he's going to come, and he's going to exile your people for 70 years. And he comes, and the first wave of them is found in the book of Daniel, as we've been studying, and the second, second wave of them is found in the book of Ezekiel, the ones that are still holding on in true principles of teachings of the word of God. And that's where he says, I want you to put a mark on the ones that are still doing my bidding, still being the ones... Uh, um, that are living by the principles and teachings of the Word of God. And so we've been looking through the book of Daniel here, and what we love about the story of Daniel is not one time did he cave. He said, you can take all of these things away from me. You can, take, uh, you, you can try to make me read your books. You can try to get me to drink your drink and eat your food, but I'm not going to do any of those things. And what I love about the story of Daniel is he stood up and he was effective, Right? There's a ditch today in the world. There's a ditch that you can hear teaching from behind a pulpit that says you can do whatever the heck you want to do, live however you want to live, and God still loves you. Yes, God loves you, but he loves you so much that he wants you to change, that he wants you to think like he thinks and do what he's called you to do, right? But then there's another one that's like, I'm right, you're wrong, get it straight, big boy, and beat you over the top of the head. I don't want to be right. I want to be effective. I'm going to say that again. I don't want to be right. I want to be effective. The Bible tells us in the book of John that Jesus came. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we see in that text, towards the end, he said he came to fulfill the law. But he also says, it also says that he came in grace, and he came in truth. What we see, all the stories of Daniel that we've already read up to this point, we see that the reason that he was so effective is because he walked in the door with grace and he gave him the truth. See, if you try to give truth and then grace, the door will already be shut in front of you. 
You've got to open the door. I said it last week, the story of Zeke, uh, uh, Zacchaeus. I, I, I used to preach this all the time. He made a connection before he corrected. And it's the same way with us. We've got to open the door with grace first and then give them the truth of the word of God. We see that all, all throughout the book of Daniel here. And today in Daniel chapter 5, I believe that it gives us courage about the culture that we're living today. How many of y'all know there was some weird stuff going on in the world? To put it lightly. There's some weird stuff, but we need some courage through the word of God of how to navigate those things. There's questions that are coming from our kids. How, how in the world do we answer this through a biblical standards? And maybe you're dealing with something right now that's bigger than you. And I want to tell you before we even get started, it may be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. It may be stronger than you, but it's not stronger than God. But I also want to remind you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we're going to direct our attention, Daniel chapter 5. And if you were here last week, we see that the king was humbled. King Nebuchadnezzar, he came to a place and it was a spirit of pride. And we could definitely see the spirit of pride also, or the spirit of Babylon coming into chapter 5 as well. But I want to kind of go a different direction today. And we're going to pick up in verse 1. It says, Belshazzar the king. Still not on. This is page 943 in the Zondervan edition of the Amplified Bible. You can follow with me or in yours. Verse 1, it says, Belshazzar the king. This would have been, uh, this would have been a grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, descendant of him. Gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he was drinking his wine in the presence of the thousands. That commentators tell us this, and history tells us this, that this was, like, this was like a big orgy. This was something that was definitely pagan and grotesque. Belshazzar, as he tasted the wine, gave a command to bring in the gold and silver, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out from the temple, which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. We know that these things are there because Daniel chapter 1 tells us that when he came and got them, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand along with some of the articles of the house of God. So how many of y'all know this is a slap in the face? This is a mockery to the things of God. How many of y'all know he's messing with the wrong dude? It says in verse 3, Then they brought in the gold and silver. Sounds like Seinfeld's playing back there. Then they brought in the gold and silver vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God. Hey, that reminds me. I met, me and Pastor Brandy met with an um, architect on Thursday to build a whole new children's wing. So y'all can believe God with us, so we'll get that done in Jesus' name. Then they brought in the gold and silver so we can kick them out of our building. Get out of here. Then they brought in the gold and silver vessels. That had been taken out from the temple, the house of God, which was in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. You know, we can point fingers all we want to at this guy. But can I tell you, I've been guilty of this. And there's others in this room that have praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Goes to verse 5. He said, Suddenly the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. How many of y'all know this would wake up a party? In fact, I wrote in black ink right here on the side Adam's family. 
Look at me all judgmental as you want to, but if you know what I'm talking about, the hand or the claw. So it says that this hand appears out of nowhere and wakes up. I'm telling you, now it's really a party. They didn't even have to eat mushrooms to see these things. The plaster of the wall in the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him. The joints and muscles of his hips and back weakened, and his knees began knocking together. The Greek actually says that he wet himself at this point. So he does what all of his predecessors did before him. The king called aloud to bring the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the diviners. The king said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold put around his neck and have authority as the third ruler of the kingdom. So he does is what his predecessors did before him. He says, hey, let's get somebody in here to interpret these things, but they can't interpret it. You know what this reminds me of? The world doesn't have the answer to everything that we have. How many of y'all know we have the advantage through the Spirit of God? Let me say that one more time. How many of y'all know we have the advantage by the Spirit of God? Like there is some things on the inside of you that people will be drawn to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. There's people that I've shot horses for for years that they're still lost as a ball in high weeds. But can I tell you, when somebody in their family has cancer or needs prayer, or somebody's away from God and they need a miracle in their life, who do they call? They call the farrier that's a man of God that will pray with them and stand in the gap for them because we have an answer that the world doesn't have, and his name is Jesus. Come on, are you out there this morning? So, he, so the queen said, hey, when your grandpappy was on the throne, I want to tell you there's only one person in the land that can answer this and answer uh, appropriately. He will hear from God, and his name is Daniel. In fact, she said this about him in verse 12. It was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and insight, the ability to interpret dreams, clarify riddles, and solve complex problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Notice, when they're talking about the things of God, that only God can answer, they're not going to call him Belteshazzar. They're going to call him who he is, Daniel. How many of y'all know the world will even see who you are called by his name? So in verse 13, it says, Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the sons of the exiles of Judah, whom my father and the king brought from Judah? I've heard of you, verse 14, that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Now the wise men and the enchanters were brought in before me so that they might read this writing and reveal its meaning to me, but they could not give the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you, that you are able to make interpretation and solve complex problems. Now if you are able to read the writing and reveal its interpretation to me, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold put around your neck, and you shall have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel, he reaches back to him, and he says this. He says, you know what? I don't want the gold. I don't want the silver. I don't want any of that because I'm not here for those things. I'm here to answer to what God's called me to do and be who God's called me to be. 
Keep your gold because I'm going to God. Keep your silver because I'm more interested in the Savior. Are you out there this morning? Amen? Keep your bronze because I'm more interested in the book. And so he tells him that. And then he begins to prophesy to him and tell him, he said, you know, your grandpappy got in the same mix that you're in. And I'm giving you a warning right now because he ended up being out there in the field with the horses and the cattle and the donkeys and the dew of heaven was on him. And he redirects his attention to verse 23. And as I read this a couple of weeks ago, man, man, oh man. If I've heard the voice of God, I, I heard it then to bring this message to you this morning. It's found in 23. And you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. And you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. He could have called the Lord anything, but he called him the Lord of heaven. Because right away he realizes that his attention is in gold and silver and bronze and wood and clay. But he says, well, you need to realize that these things on this earth pass away, but we need to fix our attention on the eternal things of Christ. And so he says, the Lord of heaven and the vessels of this house have been brought before you. And you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines have been drinking wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or understand. But the God, again, he redirects him back to the eternal things. But the God who holds in his hand your breath of life, who holds it in his hand, your breath of life, and your ways you have not honored and glorified dishonored and defied. Verse 24, then the hand was sent from the presence of the most high God and this inscription was written. This is the inscription that was written. Many, many, tekel, parson, numbered, numbered, weighed, and divided. Verse 26, this is the interpretation of the message, meaning God has numbered the days of your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales of righteousness and found deficient. 28, Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. I want to focus your attention just real quick on verses 26, 27, and 28 as he begins to prophesy to him and give him direction on what the hand of God was writing. How many of y'all know out throughout Scripture when the hand of God writes, you pay attention? Like the Ten Commandments. How many of y'all know those are still effective for us today? I don't care if it's Old Testament or not. If the hand of God wrote it, I'm paying attention. If the hand of God wrote in the sand when he's there with that adulterous woman, I, I'm paying attention. Right here as he writes this, many, many tekel a parson. Notice here, he's focusing his attention on the eternal things. Verse 26, this is the interpretation of many. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and put an end to it. Write this down. Your, you need to be reminded of this this morning, all of us. Because we need to focus our attention back on the Lord of heaven. And this is a message for us today. Our days are numbered. Your days are numbered. Praise the Lord. You're like, Man, this is hard. But you need to be reminded of this. Just as Emmett Smith had only so many carries with the ball, me and Bo have only so many horses in our lifetime that we can shoe. You need to know this. Your days are numbered. 
James 4.14 says this, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. Verse 20, I could go on more, but I want to get to the message. 27, he said, Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales. How many know this? Your life will be weighed. Here on this earth, but it also there comes a judgment seat of Christ where you'll be weighed of the things that you did and did not do. He's saying this word weighed in the Greek or in the Hebrew means worthless with no weight or substance. You had no weight about you. In Matthew 7 and verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and your name cast out demons, and your name perform many miracles? And what did Jesus say? I don't know you. I'm here to tell you, your days are numbered. Number two, your lives will be weighed. Here's the third thing. He says in verse 28, Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. You need to know this. All your stuff will go to somebody else. Don't get so attached to it. I've heard preachers say my whole life, look at this casket right here. You don't see a U-Haul connected to it. I know it's cheesy, but it's very fitting. How many of y'all know we need to focus our attention on some eternal things? Now, I do believe this. The Bible says this. Jesus said this. As long as you're on this earth, be about my business. How many of y'all know Jesus is still the healer? How many of y'all know Jesus is still the deliverer? How many of y'all know Jesus is still the redeemer out there this morning? Come on, you awake in the second service. I believe that with all my heart. But I do know this. If you just focus on the here and now, you're missing out. And you'll, you'll live a dreary life. In fact, you'll get caught up in fear and things of this world and in this earth. But if you keep your, I look to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of what? Heaven and earth. Heaven always wins. I was thinking about this and I thought about the guy that went to his wife and he says, when I die, Will you marry somebody else? How many of y'all know that's a terrible conversation? It's weird, right? Will you marry anybody else? And the, and the guy says to him, he goes, uh, she goes, I'm not talking about this, all right? You're not dying. We're not talking about that. He goes, I want to know. She goes, get out of here. We're not talking about that. So he comes back in. He goes, I got to know. If I die before you, will you marry anyone else? Finally, he goes, okay, yeah. I probably will. I'll be bored. I'll find somebody else, and, and, and we'll marry. He goes, you will? Will you answer the question? I can't believe you would do that. I'm probably talking about some of y'all's conversation right now. <laughs> You've had that weird one before. So anyways, he comes back in. He goes, all right, now that I know you're going to move on, would you let him move in my house? He goes, she goes, we are not talking about this. We're not doing it. I'm sorry. We're not going to do it. He goes, she, he goes, no, just tell me. Would you let him move my house? She goes, well, if he didn't have a house, I would let him move in. This one's paid for. <gasps> would you let him drive my truck? I am not going there. She walks out of the room. He comes back in. Would you let him drive my truck? Well, if he didn't have a truck, <gasps> I'd let him have the truck. Finally, he goes, would you let him play with my golf clubs? She goes, no, he's left-handed. Praise the Lord. All right. (laughs) 
See, I needed y'all to laugh a little bit. How many of y'all know there's joy in the house of the Lord? What I'm getting at is this. He might have been hurt, but I'm going to tell you with all confidence and faith this morning, you can't hurt someone who has the hope of heaven. Come on, you can't hurt someone who has the hope of heaven. You can take me out, you can kill me, but I'll tell you this, my hope is not in the things of this earth and possession and cars and golf clubs and houses. I have a hope of heaven. See, in this story right here up into this point, Daniel said, while you're mocking God and living like you want to and drinking what you want to drink and doing whatever you want to do, the Lord of heaven is watching. And I know that's a big word today, but people need to know that all across YouTube and those that are watching online. You need to know that the Lord of heaven is watching. And in verse 29, he says, Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, and a chain of gold was put around his neck, and proclamation concerning him was issued, that he now had authority as the third ruler of the kingdom. During the same night, everybody say same the same night Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. I'm going to say it again. Your days are numbered. Your lives are being weighed. All your stuff will go to somebody, and right here it goes to Darius, the Mede, received the kingdom. He was about the age of 62. You know, I believe this message today is very fitting for the time and day that we're living because we're living in what we call and what society and what media has called a cancel culture. And what people of cancel culture think this, if you don't think as I think, you don't do as I do, if you don't believe as I believe, then we'll take all this stuff away from you. We'll take it all, we'll, we'll take every bit of it. And, and looking at this particular text right here, the perspective that we need to take away from this is because they think this, when we take all of that away from you, you'll cave and begin to think as we think and believe as we believe. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to be a marked man and a marked woman of God, it don't matter if they take it all away from you because the only thing that you care about is Jesus and him on the throne. Come on, are you here this morning? And thinking about the hope of heaven, it's very fitting for us today. In fact, I think about Jesus as I was studying this in John chapter 14. If you know anything about the book of John, they know this, that he's about to leave. He's made comment to them, and he said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And they're like, you can't go. No, 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 no. We've seen the blind eye see. We've seen the lame walk. We've seen the, we, 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 we have seen so many miracles with you. And what does Jesus say in verse 1, a very fitting scripture for today, September of 2023, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and trust in him. Believe also in me. Look what he says. He says, quit worrying about the Romans and all of this stuff happening here on this earth. Because in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you. Come on, how many of y'all know that's the good news of Jesus Christ right there? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again. And I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. I could keep going, going through the text right here. Also in John 15 and verse 19, just little things that Jesus is preparing their hearts for. But he says, if you belong to the world, 
He's, he's redirecting their attention. Verse 18. If the world hates you, and it does, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world would love its own and would treat you with affection. But you are not of this world. And I want to tell you this morning, you are not of this world. But I have chosen you out of the world. And because of this, the world hates you. Look at verse 17. If you're still in your Bible, 17, 14. It says, I have given to them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of this of the world and do not belong to to the world, but as I am not of the world and not belong to it, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them and protect them from the evil one. I believe this. We're a marked man. We're a marked woman when you're not of this world. Can I tell you right now with all confidence, earth and all the things in it will disappoint you. How many of y'all know blood will disappoint you? How many of you know your spouse will disappoint you? I didn't hear loud amens right there. That was probably good. They'll disappoint you. And here's the deal. This is what I want your takeaway to be today is you have to have a heavenly perspective if you're going to make it. You've got to have a heavenly perspective if you're going to make it. Come on, you've got to have a heavenly perspective if you're not, if you're going to make it. I'm telling you, those that are offended in the room, you're too focused on the things of this earth that you forgot about there is a God still on the throne. Are you hearing me this morning? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 18. Ooh, this is so good. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that there are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, for which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, give God praise for that this morning. We eagerly wait for our citizenship is in heaven. Don't put your stock, what's he saying? Don't put your stock in earthly things. Don't put your stock in earth because... In the eternal, God always comes through. I'm telling you, I've been serving God long enough. How many of y'all, raise your hand, you said you have literally experienced the hand of God of healing in your life before. Lift your hand. I'm lifting my hand. I'm lifting both hands. I'm lifting both feet, too, because I've experienced that. There's things, though, that have happened in ministry and in, in just in my personal life with Christ where I've prayed, where I've got on my knees, where I've... Believe God for a miracle to take place in people's life. And I haven't seen it. There's times before where I've just questioned, like, what in the world? And I know this. If I knew the answer to that, I'd be God. And if God was a preaching horseshoe, the world would be even more messed up than it already is. There's, I'm telling you, I'm, what I'm getting at is there's some things that I don't necessarily understand. But I do know this. There is no way those people that went through the pearly gates in the throne room of Jesus in heaven would ever say, take me back to earth. I'm just trying to paint the picture of this. God always comes through. Are you hearing me this morning? John 16 and verse 33, while I'm here, 
still in this part. He said, I told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have tribulation. Thank you, Jesus, for this encouraging word. In the world you have tribulations. How many of y'all know he's right? You have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous. I have overcome the world. I'm telling you, heaven always wins. I mean, y'all know we are a spoiled generation. I mean, you think about our forefathers. I, I, I played golf in a tournament over the summer with this guy that he's known me his whole life for sure. And he's in his late, late 80s, and he was still out there crack, hitting balls with us in this tournament. And I said, what's the yardage? And I, we couldn't figure it out because the GPS on the cart was messed up, and I didn't have one of those deals on me uh, to look. I said, well, I want to know the yardage. He said, our forefathers wanted one of those too. You know, when the pioneers came over, they needed one of those GPSs too. I'm like, oh, shut up. Come on. I need it. But I, I'm just getting at, you know, my, my boys ask, Anson thinks that I'm ancient. And he asked me all these questions. When you were a kid, did you all have a microwave? You know, I do remember our first one. We were like high cotton when we got one. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? I remember putting a donut in there from the donut stop, and I had wrapped it in foil. That was a big time. Anyways, <laughs> that's before we started figuring all those things out. But I was just, you know, I love to talk to him about my granny and Paul. He asked me questions. Coming to school the other day, I have a cousin that many of y'all know that died that was, I was really close to. And he asked me questions about Randall, and I love it. Because it just the Bible tells us in, in um, Isaiah sixty six twenty two as as new heaven new earth shall remain before He says Lord so shall your descendants and your name remain, and I keep His name alive because I'm one of you know I'm 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 an heir I'm in the same bloodline as Randall and so I love love to talk about those things but I tell him stories about I, isn't it amazing he, you know he, I guess their whole life they've thought the iPhone was here because their whole life it has. But I'm like, son, when, we were, when I was a kid, my granny, had, um, she had a camera. But also, too, we had a camera, too. And it was one that you bought at Walmart. And it was sealed in this bag. And it had a certain smell that came at you when you opened it up. And you You know what I'm talking about? Are you there? Some of y'all remember back where the guy had the thing in which... Some of (laughs) y'all, operator, operator, (laughs) would you be so kind? All right? Going back on the, I I mean, how many of y'all have ever been to the, uh, the, uh, if you go to the museum in Canyon, they got one of those computers that I learned how to type on in like the museum. (laughs) And then there with my kids, oh my gosh, what is that thing? Just keep going. Just keep going. And I'm young. Or, or you know, the dials. I sound like a Ray Stevens song. It's me again, Margaret. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, man. Aren't you thankful you came to church this morning? But I, I think about our forefathers. I think about this church. How spooled are you sitting in a comfortable chair? Like, there's a part of me that wants to get upset that our projector's not working. But you think our forefathers are like, I'm not going to church. The, the projector is not working. I will not be there. I'm sorry. I'm not going. 
They don't have children's church? No. I mean, kids are in church. I want you to think about this. Like, and churches were full. Remember, like, back in the times when, like, you had, um, where you would have, like, a picnic on the ground and it was dirt floors? How many of y'all remember a time when you didn't drink water in a bottle, but you drank it out of the faucet and it tastes like dirt? Water hose. I actually read a study the other day how we're weakening our kids like, I ain't going to drink that. (gasps) What? I drank water out of Meredith. Grew up on that. Come on. Amen. There's been times where we've been crossing cattle before and, you know, stir a pie and you're thirsty. Just go ahead and get some. Amen. Come on. I watched enough Naked and Afraid. I know how to navigate all that. But we, we're, we're making society sissies. But my, going back to church, sorry, I went on a rabbit trail there. Is that okay? But, but thinking about all of this in the hymnals, you know what people sang about? They weren't talking about stars and creation. Sometimes I want to, you know, I want to ask some of these worship leaders, like, have they been eating mushrooms when they're writing these worship songs? But. The hymnals were full of songs like, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste, foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. At the end of it, what does he talk about? He talks about rapture. Their focus was not in that uncomfortable pew. Their focus was going to see Jesus. How many of y'all know we need to fix our attention on him? When we all get to heaven... When we all see Jesus, we will shout the victory. Amen? Psalm 121 and verse 1, it says this. So don't get mad when you press click on Amazon and you don't get it that day. And you don't get it in five days. Psalm 121 and verse 1, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Can I talk into, the, the, into YouTube right now? I'm going to tell you this. I want to give you this warning across the waves of the Internet and everybody in the room. If you're saved and you're serving Jesus, earth is as bad as it's going to get. But if you're not serving God, earth is as good as it's going to get. Come on. How many of y'all thankful that you're saved out there, that you're serving the Lord? And he's called you. There's three things that I want to write down. I want you to write down uh, with me just three thoughts to take away from this message today that we see in Daniel chapter 5. And number one is this, being a marked people. Don't get distracted. Stay looking up. Number one, don't get distracted. Stay looking up. Jesus is given a warning in Luke 21. We also see it in Matthew 24. And he says, as you begin to see these signs, you'll see that my return is near. 
And he begins to tell them of all the things that are happening that actually we've seen today. But in Luke 21 and verse 28, it says, But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. How many of y'all know we are living in a time where we need to start looking up? Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, I was so convicted of this word when Chad Prather was here for the conservative patriots of Texas. He gave... He shared the scripture and he said, lots of times we end where we should be, keep going. It says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb. Think about John, the revelator, the apostle John dipped in oil twice, drank poison, lived through it. On the island of Patmos, he said this through the inspiration of Jesus. He said, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony. Look at the last part right here. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. I want you to think about the life of Paul. Think about him for a second. We love all of his teachings in First and Second Corinthians, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, Ephesians, Philippians. Come on, all of it. We we love his stuff. They said, Paul, if you keep preaching Jesus, we're going to throw you in prison. Yes, I'll get to I'll get to finish Ephesians. I'll get to finish Philippians. We're going to stone you. Yes, I get to go see Jesus. You think Paul was canceled? No, they couldn't cancel him because he didn't care. Because there was only one thing in his heart was being about the business of Jesus until he takes him home to be in the glory with Jesus himself. What did he say in Philippians 1.21? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So number one. Don't get distracted. Stay looking up. Number two is this. Quit focusing on the seen things and redirect them to the unseen things. Say that one more time. Quit focusing on the seen things and redirect them to the unseen things. We know this about Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4 and verse 8. We wrote a song about it. It says, we are pressed in every way, but not crushed, perplexed. Finding a way out, but not driven to despair. Hunted down and persecuted, but not destroyed. Struck down, but never destroyed. He said, always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown in our body. For we who live are constantly being handed over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be evidence in our mortal body. So physical death is actively at work in us, but spiritual life is actively at work in you. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote in the scripture, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and will present us along with you in his presence. For all these things for your sake... So that as God's remarkable, undeserved grace reaches to more and more people, if may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Go to verse 17. For our moment, momentary light distress is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. So we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are visible are temporal, just brief and fleeting, but the things which are invisible, are everlasting and imperishable. You know, that's why I've always been urgent to be on, be working with the youth or the kids or something, serving some, in some capacity in the house of God. Because 
my focus is on not what I get from that, but making it a deposit of things that will happen down the road, of crowns that will put, be put on me down one day. Matthew 6, 19, Jesus said this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the third thing. Number one, don't get distracted. Stay looking up. Number two, quit focusing on the seen things and redirect to the unseen And here's the third one. When you begin to do this, you will see something rise up in the inside of you. It's called faith, not fear. Psalm 34 and verse 4 says, I sought the Lord. He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Here's another one, Psalm 119.81. Psalmist David said this, and I believe all of us, could testify to this scripture right here. He said, I'm worn out waiting for you to rescue, for your rescue. But I have put my hope in your word. Can I tell you? You can always see the people that are looking up and not looking down. Come on and stand to your feet this morning. There's one last thing that I want to share with you, and this is during a time. How many of y'all know this word is for us today? Come on. This word is for us today. Do I believe in the blessing of God? Absolutely I do. A hundred percent. Do I, am I, if you used to ask me, are you leaving inheritance to your children's children? You bet. Do I love to trade, make money, do all that stuff? You bet. But can I tell you this? If God told me to give it all away tonight, I would. God told me to give it all away. I have no problems tithing, giving offerings. Because I know everything that I have came from him anyway. I have a, I, at one time, I had so many bass guitars. Loved to play bass. Ernie Ball, Stingrays, Fenders, all of it. I bought a brand new Fender Jazz just because I could. And the Lord said, I want you to give that away. It's to my dad. My dad wanted a new one. Ooh, sunset, orange, body, American Fender Jazz Bass. Pricey. My dad could buy one. Easy. Lord told me he'd give it away. I didn't even hesitate. I didn't have to have a writing on the wall. You know why? Because basses come and go. Golf clubs come and go. Cars come and go. Houses come and go. Am am I not saying you shouldn't be a steward of those things? A hundred percent you should. But I'm saying the number one thing you ought to be thinking about is up. Should we be about his business? Yes, but a part of his business is looking up. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. 
we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.